Welcome to the TMB Women in Business podcast, created for the aspiring CEO. Every week, we provide you with tips on all things business and entrepreneurship. You'll hear from industry leaders on topics such as marketing, business growth, and branding. This podcast is hosted by Mahi Kola, the 16-year-old teen entrepreneur behind the Minty Boutique, a luck stationery company with a mission to change the world. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the TMB Women in Business podcast. Today, we will be interviewing Caitlin Parker. Caitlin is the owner, copywriter, and wine enthusiast behind Copy Uncourt, a boutique copywriting studio pouring up high converting words and digital strategies for modern brands and creative entrepreneurs. She holds a master's in strategic communications and is a certified copywriter by Digital Marketer. She's also a student of Copy School and 10x copywriter by Copy Hackers. I'm so excited for you to listen in on our conversation today. If you'd like to receive an email recap of the episode, sign up for our email list at tiny.cc slash T-M-B-W-I-B-E-M-A-I-L or tiny.cc slash T-M-B-W-I-B email. All right, let's jump into it. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the TMB Women in Business podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Before we get started um, with the interview, I would love to just have you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you're currently working on. Yeah, so my name's Caitlin, and my company is called Copy Uncorked. So I am a copywriting and brand strategy studio, and I get to work with all kinds of different brands um, and creative entrepreneurs and really helping them articulate what they do, why they do it. Um, and you know, communicate with their audience um, in a powerful way. So I do everything from website copy to email marketing um, and really any other types of little copywriting projects in between. That's so cool. I would love to know, how did you first get started doing copywriting and um, creating this agency? Yeah, so I was someone who had started blogging like a long time ago. Like I always kind of say like blogging before it was cool because you know, <laughs> I feel like today a lot of people have blogs and and it's great. But I feel like when I first started, it was kind of one of those weird things like, wait, what? You have a blog? Um, so mm-hmm. I did that for a while. And then I ended up going to grad school for strategic communications. And I always knew I loved um, writing and reading. And I kind of fell into copywriting. I just had been blogging and enjoying it and reached a point where I was like, you know, I'd really love to get paid to write. So I started um, putting myself out there in things like Facebook groups. And I started my business really out of my blog website. Um, And then I started working on a few projects. And then through grad school, as I kind of started learning a little bit more about the actual discipline of copywriting. And then of course, you know, focused a lot of attention on different certifications and stuff within that field. But Mm -hmm. um, it definitely just came from a love of writing and really being in the work with clients and, you know, realizing areas that I could help them and realizing how many people, especially moving into like a digital age where there is so much online marketing, really how many people need it was super encouraging and um, Mm -hmm. definitely gave me, you know, the confidence to move forward with it. Yeah, that's incredible. And you kind of touched on this, but I'd love to know what inspired you to keep growing and why do you do what you do? 
Yeah, um, it's funny. I've been in a few different jobs since I graduated in college. I was in sales and then I worked for um, a company called Lululemon Athletica, um, mm. which you've probably heard of, but um, <laughs> I loved their brand and it was really inspiring and they just did such an incredible job of branding in general. So I learned a ton while I was there and I've always just had a lot of different interests. I've been a super multi-passionate person. And I love that through this, I get to work with a lot of different entrepreneurs in different fields, like different areas. So I don't feel like I'm ever doing, even though I am, I have, you know, the same processes and I do a lot of the same stuff over and over. It's really exciting to get on the phone with people, hear everything that they're trying to bring to life and really kind of be there to support them and help like distill and extract the core message that they're trying to communicate. And I just love helping other people um, launch and really um, kick off their business and feel confident in it. I think sometimes when we feel like it's all up in our heads and we can't articulate what we feel and like what we feel fired us up to get started in the first place. So that's kind of one of my favorite things. I always like to say, I love like helping, like helping my clients breathe new life into their words and get really excited about it. So for me, it's just seeing what the power of words and having a really strong message allows entrepreneurs to do. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, one thing that I found is even though it is your job, um, just being able to help someone and like be some be there with them while they're doing their launch or starting their company is really helpful on the entrepreneur side as well because you have someone that has done it before and that has the experience but also it's just having the ability to be able to go someone to talk to and um, ask someone for help that a lot of people are hesitant to do because they just feel like they need to do everything but it's it's okay to ask for help and just there are people who you can hire or you can just talk to and people in like Facebook groups and things like that yeah. that you can just talk to and they're so happy to help you um, with your launch, uh, give feedback on your product or anything like that. So I think it's also really important to just reach out and see what other people are doing and um, reach out, make those connections so you build that community around you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's something that I feel like I've definitely learned. I've had my business for about two and a half years now, and I just recently um, rebranded it this spring. But I, through going through the rebrand, I really challenged myself to try to reach out to people a lot more and just kind of share with people what I was working on, you know, get their opinion about the new brand name, about the colors, about the way that I was refining my services. And it was so much more rewarding to launch and have like that support and encouragement of people around me because I feel like they also had the chance to feel involved. Um, and in, in the past, I just felt like I needed to, you know, have this perfect finished product to bring to the table. And I put mm -hmm. so much work into it, whether it was like redoing my website or just publishing a blog post or, you know, wanting to create some sort of a free resource. And then I would launch it. And I think like a lot of um, early entrepreneurs, you experience that bit of crickets where, you know, you put mm -hmm. something out there, yeah. you're feeling a little bit vulnerable and then it's like, okay, and nothing. And what really yeah. helps that is when you do reach out to people and, and, and you seek out mentors and you're not afraid to share with your, your peers and not necessarily see people as like competition, but just creating relationships. And it's amazing how much more people are likely to um, want to be a cheerleader for you when they feel like they've been a part of it. So 
I couldn't agree more and think it's really important. And it just, it makes your job so much more fun when, when you start doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. And you kind of talked, you just mentioned how um, people are more invested in your product and they want to support you when they've mm-hmm. been a part of the process. And I think people now are becoming much more vulnerable and open on platforms like Instagram. And especially because of Instagram stories, the feed is very much curated and it's pictures that we've taken on fancy cameras and we've edited and put filters on but the stories is just kind of it's like snapchat it's just you take you take it and then you post it and it's gone um Mm -hmm. because of the stories feature i think people have really been able to show more of the behind the scenes and show parts of the business that aren't pretty and that their struggles more and customers can see that and they become so much more invested in not only the product but the person behind it who's doing the work to develop the product test it do all this work that goes into a single launch that a lot of people didn't know actually happened and I think that's one of the great reasons like I love Instagram stories I love just telling people about um Things that aren't even related to my business, like this morning, I posted a picture of, um, a picture of just what was it? Oh, it was my breakfast, and I just like it. It was very simple, but I was something a new recipe that I tried, and I wanted to share it and see if like anyone was interested. And I got a few messages already, just saying like, "Oh, I've tried that in the past. Here, like other things you can do to make it taste even better." And it's just that personal connection that from such a simple thing in our day-to-day lives, you can build and build a story behind the brand. Definitely. And I mean, really brands are human. And I think, you know, there's this whole creative world where there are a lot of um, entrepreneurs that are, are building teams, but maybe they're solo, um, you know, at the onset. And Mm -hmm. my brand personally is definitely one that I strive to have more of a professional approach, but that doesn't mean that I also want people to see that I'm human and to feel personally connected to me and that it's not just all templates and curated. And it can be challenging when you're a perfectionist and you really do want to put like a strong brand out there. But thankfully, like you mentioned, there are so many different not just different mediums, but different formats, like within those mediums, like the difference between your feed and stories and using Mm -hmm. something like an email list to have um, more private conversations with your audience. Or um, like this morning, for example, I'm working on a new digital product and I was going to post something to my Instagram about it, but I was like, you know what? I really want to um, nurture the subscribers that I have. So I try to make sure that if I'm sending out a new update, that the email subscribers are the first ones to get it. And Mm -hmm. if I'm sharing a tip or something on Instagram, I add a little bit more of a personal story to it via email. So just kind of seeing all the different channels that you have and how you can use them slightly differently to tailor that experience to your audience and who's following you while still showing a little bit of that human and professional side. Yeah, I completely agree. I, for me, because we're a product-based company, um, I've always had my feed be always focused on the product more than me. Um, just because a, like I am really young and my parents were hesitant in like showing my face and showing, Mm -hmm. you know, my name and all that online until very recently. But in the past, I've always just wanted my posts and what I'm sharing on social media to be focused on the products that I'm creating. But because recently, like, because, I mean, Instagram stories has been up for 
how many years? I think like two or three, right? Yeah, it's got to be at least that. I don't know. It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's very recent like compared to how long Instagram has yeah, been up and people sure. have been using it. And so I, I I think that because Instagram stories has come, people are being more vulnerable and that's really exciting to see. I also like recently Instagram put out that article that they might potentially just take out likes and just remove that. Oh. So it's more focused on personal connection versus mm-hmm. um, how many likes you're getting or how many um how much engagement you're getting and i love that because that also gives uh even the playing out playing field for uh small businesses that it takes a while for businesses like us to reach the you know 100k following or um, like 1 million followers that was gonna yeah. that's gonna take a while but if you take out the followers um people are gonna be more interested in what are you actually sharing versus what uh, how many followers you have and if it's like cool to follow you. Yeah, definitely. And and Instagram is a very visual medium. So I feel like mm-hmm. once the part of it is human nature, you know, we're all short on time, we're scrolling. So a lot of it is going to be what first captures your eyes, captures your attention yeah. visually. And then it's, you know, what are we putting in the caption to either provide value or to create a connection? Um, and like you just mentioned, you know, your business has been product-based for a long time, but then as an entrepreneur yourself, you've been able to also bring something like this podcast that allows people to kind of get a little bit more of the behind the scenes while still maintaining your really product forward brand. Because even though we have all been able to, you know, formulate these connections and, and share a little bit more of ourselves, I think at the end of the day, it's also really important that we're remembering like the reason that we're creating these products or services are mm-hmm. to serve our audience. So we yeah. never want to like put ourselves, you know, in the middle of that when really we're, we're the guide, we're helping them either get to the services that they need to achieve their own goals or we're trying to get them the products that they need to, you know, enrich their life, to make them more organized, whatever it is. So um, I, I love that we can kind of have, again, the different avenues to share parts of ourselves and really use the medium um, or a channel in the way that kind of best serves our audience and allows us to, um, yeah, just really show what we have to offer. Yeah, I completely agree. And going back to what you mentioned about your email list, um, I would love to know, it's it's hard at the very beginning when you're first starting your company to know which social media platform you should invest your time in because it's really hard to do all of it. And even now I have, um, we have a YouTube channel, Instagram, and then like Instagram stories and IGTV Plus, mm-hmm. we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group and all of that, yeah. even four years into it, is so hard to manage. And it I've is. had to take people on to help me with it. Oh, and our email list, too, when we have sales and things. And so mm-hmm. all of these different things, it's hard to take on at the very beginning because you feel like you have to be posting constantly to get a following and get people to uh, subscribe and you know, engage with you. I would love to know how did you first decide um, which platform was best for you and how you grew from there? Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, I had had my personal Instagram account, which I would blog from and that I originally kind of started offering services through. And Mm -hmm. I got to the point where I felt like, again, because I'm such a multi-passionate person, I felt like I was sharing about all kinds of stuff and my message Mm -hmm. wasn't clear. So 
there are some people who are really great at having a lifestyle brand and, you know, intermixing both business and personal. But for me, I felt like my, con- my content was very distinct from what I wanted to be sharing on my personal Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and copywriting is just all about like clarity. So it was super important to me that I um, created a second account and really focused on the copywriting side of things. And mm-hmm. I wanted it to be a very educational and value-driven account. Um, so I started on Instagram. I, of course, created a Facebook page with it, um, my website. I am on LinkedIn, Pinterest, just because I love it and all kinds of, you know, brand inspiration on there. And then I share any blog posts and stuff. And then my email list, I really try to just think of it all almost in like a sort of um, content life cycle. Like if we're going around a circle, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, But if we're starting at the top of the circle, like, and I create a piece of content, so maybe that piece of content is a blog post. And then I know I want to send that out to my email list. I know I want to share it across my social media channels. And then maybe I want to revisit it a week or so later, or maybe that blog post got um, really good feedback. So maybe I want to create some sort of deeper resource out of it. So I try to think of like, what is the purpose of this content versus just sharing to share? And then how can I also repurpose it in different ways so that we're not spending so much time and energy into something that gets posted once and then we forget about it. So I think, you know, you want, we want to be on all the channels and do all the things, but it's important to figure out what can we show up on consistently and what can we show up on with, you know, a decent level of quality and, you may be on multiple platforms, but I know for me, I really do pour most of my energy into Instagram and my email list. So, you know, if people are following on LinkedIn or Facebook, you know, I do put the same content up there so that people on those platforms can also potentially be introduced to the brand. Um, but again, I really just try to think of how, how can this all flow together and, and create a process where, I'm not getting overwhelmed with where it all needs to go, but all right, this is where we're starting. And then this is how my content like drips out and disperses across all the different channels. Yeah. I love the idea of the circle and how you kind of just go around the circle and share the same content, but in a different way. So um, you don't have to constantly be creating content. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize is when you share or you we spend so much time creating uh, like a YouTube video. There's so much time that goes yeah. into writing the script, filming, editing, creating the thumbnail, doing all of that. And if you forget to spend the time to actually market it and get people mm-hmm. to the YouTube video, then all of your work will be in vain except for the few people that did watch it and I mean of course I'm sure those few people like learned a lot and they got a lot of value out of it but if you are spending all this time making it it's worth spending the same time getting people to it so they can actually appreciate what you've spent so much time doing um and I love what you said about how you can just repurpose it and that's also something that seems kind of like a taboo a big no-no you can't just repurpose it but a lot of times the same message can be said multiple ways and people sometimes it doesn't stick the first time you say it a different way then it hits them on different social media platforms you also have different followings there of course there will be the same a few followers that are very loyal they follow you on youtube and on instagram and facebook and they might hear it again, but a lot of times you have different followers on each one and you can share the same topic that you have 
you know, written a beautiful long caption for on Instagram as a Facebook post and you will be reaching a new audience, but you don't have to do double the work. Definitely. Um, And I think I used to for so long, I was really afraid to share something more than once. You know, I think a lot of us have yeah. that feeling, oh, we're going to like annoy annoy our followers or, you know, they, they saw it the first time, they weren't interested, so there's no point in me sending it out again. But I think at this point we are starting to realize that that's just not true and we do have things like algorithms and such a small percentage of our following or our audience that yeah. is seeing the content. And if we really believe that what we created is is important and offering value, then share it, you know, share it multiple times and and in different ways. And don't be afraid to do that. And there's plenty of statistics out there that will tell you, you know, the number of touch points that actually create a conversion. And you're not really supposed to use yourself as an example when assessing different marketing or Mm -hmm. advertising tactics. But I know for me, sometimes I'll see something and I'm interested, but I'm maybe in the middle of something else or my inbox is super full at the time. So I kind of forget about it, but then I see it again and I am more enticed and it's all about moving somebody further through that, um, that stage of awareness. So they may see it the first time and not actually click over, but maybe you present it in a slightly different way or, um, something else that you say actually entices them a little bit more this time. So they do land on the blog page and they read through it. And somebody doing that one time is is great. They've created a connection with your brand. Maybe the next time they subscribe to your email list. So it's it's really looking at it in a, in a positive light and feeling like if you have a message that you're excited about and you want to share, people are going to get something out of it. So there's no reason um, why you should feel yeah, like you can't share it more than once. Yeah, and I believe it's about seven different touch points that before people are like fully convinced to click the link. And that's a lot of different touch points. Um, Just imagine how many Instagram posts you'd have to make for the same group of people to see that message seven different times. So um, of course, like I'm not saying flood all your or spam your account with tons of Instagram posts every day because that will get annoying and people will unfollow you. But I would say, you know, use your different channels. Um, Use your YouTube to, let's say you're doing a launch. This is, I always use this example of if you're doing a product launch or a service launch, when you do that launch, you want to tell them about it from on your launch day, uh, from your email list to your YouTube, Instagram, everything. Just tell them on every channel and let them see it on all these different channels. But then something that a lot of people do is they forget to keep marketing it. And you kind of touched on that, that you don't want to keep telling them it could be annoying. Mm -hmm. But people forget so easily, especially when they're just scrolling through Instagram. You're just scrolling. Sometimes you like things. Like I like things and I don't even read them or really look at the picture. I'm just kind of liking as I go. And Mm -hmm. if you forget to tell them, continue telling them about your new course or your new product over the weeks to come, they will forget about it and they will not like be more enticed to go back. But if they see your product, you know, Every day or every few days when they open up Instagram, they see, oh, yeah, isn't she, didn't she just launch that new course or launch that new product? Like, oh, I'm thinking about it. Let me go check it out. And that could happen a week later or even two weeks later. But because you were still showing up and you were still willing to put the time in to show up again and again, even if the first day you get 
zero sales, just a few visitors to your website, if you keep showing up, I promise there will be people who were enticed at the when they first saw it, but then after a week, they made the leap to actually purchase or at least click onto your website. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's a lot of people creating a lot of different things, launching a lot of different businesses, products, services, and it's great. And I think a lot of us are also wanting to kind of sit back subconsciously almost, but sit back and see, okay, how long is this going to last? Is this person mm-hmm. really sticking this out? Are they, are they really going for it? And mm-hmm. a, a quote that's always stuck with me is belief has a sound. And I think the more that you decide to keep showing up, even if you look at your Google analytics and you're like, oh my gosh, like three people read this blog post and two of them were my mom. Like you can't expect people to go flocking to your blog or your YouTube channel if you've posted one video. You know what I mean? Yes, like yeah. keep showing up and show your audience how much you believe in what you're doing and they're going to hear that and they're going to see it and they're going to come and they're going to follow suit. So a lot yeah. of content marketing, content creation is about authority building, uh, authority building, credibility and consistency is even a tactic used in one of my favorite um, books. It's called Influence by Robert Cialdini. It's just great for understanding the power of persuasion, but he just talks about how consistency is something that um, just in a form of human decision-making, it just really resonates. It's like an unspoken language almost. Um, When you see someone being consistent, whether it's with their content marketing or whether it's with Um, their fitness routine, there is a level of respect and attention Mm -hmm. that comes from that. And you really do um, just create an opportunity for yourself to have a platform. And I'm not talking about a a stage or 100,000 Instagram followers. I'm just talking about having a message worth listening to. And I think the more... The more that you share it in a way that um, honors what your audience's needs are and you share it consistency, consistently and you're willing to put yourself out there for it, um, you're going to see results. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons that people love listening to people that are excited about what they do is because you can hear the passion and the persistence in their voice when they're talking. You can hear how excited they are about whatever they're working on. It could really be any hobby, but because you hear that passion, you're more enticed to continue listening and hear them out and um, invest that time in them and believe in whatever they're doing. So you, I definitely believe that you need to have that passion in whatever you're doing, even if it's just a launch. If you're just, even if it's just posting an Instagram photo, you need to show that passion for what you're doing and everything you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think passion is just one of those um, one of those things that is so important. And another, it's another word that we hear a lot, but is something mm-hmm. that we can all do a really great job of showing as much as we say it. And I think when you are, for example, launching something and you don't just post one time to your Instagram and just sit back and wait for, you know, the comments and the likes and all the attention to roll in and you really you hop on your story and even if you're afraid of video, you jump in and you share why you're excited about it. And, um, you know, you do it in multiple different mediums or you text individual um, people in your circle or in your industry and tell them about it. Like, again, it just is one of those invitations that allows other people to get on board. I think by putting energy into work that you're doing, you you elevate people around you and you create space and the ability for them to be more excited about what they're doing too. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I also, um, jumping from this, I also wanted to talk about how you first kind of got started and the different procedures and um, processes that you set up from the beginning. That's something that I learned kind of the hard way. At the very beginning, I was just doing things the way I thought best. And later looking back, I wish I had set up the processes and the right people to take care of things that I wasn't sure about. So I'd love for you to just go into that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's kind of an area that in retrospect, I feel like I got like the luckiest with. I Mm -hmm. think back to just really wanting to start up my LLC. I worked with um, a lawyer at my church at the time and Mm -hmm. he was great and just kind of guiding me and, you know, put this big binder of all these legal documents in front of me that I really (laughs) was not even sure about at the time. But I just, for me, the LLC was something that I felt like I needed to be confident to go promote my services and to feel legitimate. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that you can offer a service to somebody and you can be confident from day one. But for me, it was just having that legality and that setup. I just wanted it to be right from the get go. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I did that, even though, you know, I I still am just like, I don't know what made me jump out and want to start my LLC, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad that I did. And then with that, I, you know, had talked to um, my attorney a little bit about how it was important to separate personal and business um, finances. So I did open up a business bank account, you know, which was kind of scary at the time and hearing all of the, the different things that go into that. But it does make such a difference when, Um, you can look back at everything. You can track where your income is coming from, where it's going out, um, using something like a CRM system, especially as a solopreneur or somebody who's starting off early. Like you just, Mm. you want to lean on tools and systems and processes that allow you to put most of your time and energy into working on your business and creating new revenue opportunities and neglecting those things. It's only going to get harder later. And I know sometimes it's confusing because there's so much that you don't know and you're just so focused on like creating the service or your minimum viable product or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. if you know, like I've been thinking about starting a business for weeks or months or however long and you have the passion and the enthusiasm for it, go get the LLC, you know, open the CR, the CRM program, like do what you need to, to kind of put yourself in a position where you feel like you can, you can hang that digital sign on your door and say, I'm open for business because mm-hmm. it's going to be worth it. And you'll look back and you'll feel really confident in what you've created for yourself. And as you grow and, and like you mentioned in the success and the growth of your own business, you've been able to bring people on board to help you um, in different areas. And the more that you create um, as much of a system or a process as you can from day one, the easier it is for you to grow and scale more quickly. Yeah, I completely agree. One thing that I learned was um, when we are creating our products at the beginning, I, as I said, I was just doing it the way I knew and it was like a very specific way and when I had to hire someone to help me with orders and help me with um, the shop tasks in general it was mm-hmm. so hard to explain to them because they hadn't been doing it for this many years they hadn't been there when like you know we had to make this slight tweak that to the printer that no one knows about but I do and you have to like you know even for like let's just take an example of like car keys you know you have to just shake it this way and then it'll open things like that. 
that. Those are the little things that no one knows until you've been working in that business or that company for a while. Um, And if from the very beginning, you can start documenting what you're doing, it will be so much easier when you hire someone, when you bring someone onto your team to just hand them the piece of paper or whatever you are writing on and be like, here's what I do and here's how it works. If you could just follow these steps, then it will work for you too. And eventually they will also kind of figure out how to do it themselves and they might add their own little tweaks but because they had that baseline that you trust them here's the process I follow if you do this I know that you will get like a good product that I trust you with then you will be much more like sane you won't be double checking everything they do because you know you have a process that they can follow that you trust yeah, definitely. And then when you do bring people in and there's a clear process, if they're able to identify better ways of doing something, mm-hmm. then awesome. Like more power to it. You can move forward with something like that rather than feeling like you're starting from the beginning and you're both trying to create any sort of process at all. So yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it makes a difference and it's only going to benefit um, you yourself as the business owner to be able to do that. Yeah. And when you're first starting I have found and I did I at the very beginning I was at that point I was 12 years old so it was I just kind of started and I didn't know what I was doing but I because I was like a product-based business I didn't have to immediately set up a bank account and stuff and I was selling on Etsy so I had the platform but I found now that I started, for example, my podcast and the nonprofit that this podcast falls under, that was a completely new venture for me and I didn't know what to do. And it can be really overwhelming, especially because a po- I mean, a nonprofit has like all these legality issues that you have to file for and go through that process. And if don't get overwhelmed because I know there are like, even for like an LLC, there are so many forms that go into it and you have to be completely sure about who has power and who has all this. Don't be overwhelmed. Um, That's the first thing I can say to whoever's listening. Do not be overwhelmed. There are people out there who will help you even if it's paid, but also people who are just willing to do it because you have built that relationship with them and they want to help you. And that that's going back to building the community around you. And yeah. we've talked about that in a few previous episodes, but just the idea that it's more important to build true connections than always be focused on like making that sale because when you're starting a new venture like I was I knew people in the industry who had started nonprofits and I was able to just contact them and say hey like how do I do this and they referred me to to the lawyers they were using and the people that were filing all of their uh you know documents and things for their nonprofit and now I can work with them directly and I have that connection yeah, couldn't agree more. It's it's a big step of courage sometimes, but it it's really comes down to simply just being willing to say, this is what I'm trying to do and this is what I need to get there. And it is amazing how how willing people are to help and and not only help, but how then a lot of times you may even get your first client out of just mm-hmm. simply sharing about it and somebody saying, "Oh my gosh, I know somebody who needs exactly what you're trying to yeah. offer, what you're trying to offer." And I think a lot of people don't realize how willing people are to help each other. We always are thinking very transactionally like, okay, so if I can help you with this, will you help me with this? But a lot of times, a lot of times I realized, especially in like the entrepreneur and small business world, 
a lot of people are willing to help you for free just because they've been there. They know that struggle themselves and they want to help the um, next generation of entrepreneurs to do better and to not make those mistakes and spend more time adding value rather than cleaning up mistakes that they could give you advice about. So I would just say, just ask the the worst they can say is no, I that's information I can't share and that's fine. I mean, you have to respect that and just ask someone else or, you know, do that research and try to find it for yourself. But a lot of times you will get yeses and they will help you and it'll be so much better for your business. Yeah, definitely. Be be willing to, you know, ask for help, value people's expertise and and don't be afraid to put in the work, even when it feels scary and overwhelming. And there's, and there's plenty of stuff that I haven't done yet in my own business that I'm excited about doing. And I'm working on my first mini course. And every time that you want to try something new, there's going to be a little bit of a hurdle. Like there's going to be that learning mm-hmm. gap, but you just have to be willing to close it and realize how much progress that you're going to make and how much more confident and just excited about your business you're going to feel on the other side of it. So just not letting like the technicalities or legalities, whatever it is, get in the way because it's it's worth it. It really is. And you just kind of have to stay a learner. Yeah, I love that. Um, do you have any other tips or last words before we finish up the interview? Um, I think just kind of what we were going off of, like, you know, just really not listening to that imposter syndrome that's so easy mm-hmm. when you're always going to look out there and there's going to be somebody more qualified and there's going to be somebody less qualified, but there's something again, that fired you up to start your business and and you Mm -hmm. bring a unique perspective to it and a different way of doing something. So sometimes you just have to have blinders to the competition and really not Mm -hmm. pay attention so much to what other people are doing. And, you know, every time you want to write something or create a new product, feel the need to compare it against, 50 other people's, you know, there is something to be said for competitive research, but just be confident in what you have to offer. And again, just, yeah, run your business with blinders on and um, believe in what you have to offer. Yeah. And also take the time to figure out what made, what fired you up and hold on to that because that's your purpose. That's your why. And that is what's going to help you, um, keep growing and get through the hard times because you know, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm taking a risk and this is why I'm willing to bet on myself. Yes. Couldn't agree more. All right. So my last question, last few questions, I always ask to all of our interviewees, but what is one word or phrase that you would use to describe your business journey? Hmm. That is a great (laughs) and tough question. Um, to describe my business journey, um, I guess winding. Like I feel like I took a lot of uh, a lot of different kind of turns and avenues of getting here, but I feel mm-hmm. like ultimately I arrived at where I was trying to get to. But I, there wasn't a straight line set out from the beginning, and I've only mm, kind of yeah. been able to get it to the point that I'm at and where you know, how much further I even want to go by just taking steps and taking action. And and maybe sometimes you take two steps right to then realize you needed to take a step left. But as long as you're okay with a winding journey, like you're going to keep making progress. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Um, my last question is I would love for customers to, I mean, listeners to find you and hopefully become customers. So where can they find you online? Awesome. Um, my website is copyuncorked.com. So you can go on there and see everything that is wine themed about the brand. Um, or you can also <laughs> connect with me on Instagram at copyuncorked. Perfect. And you guys know all the links are always in the show notes or in the episode description. Um, So feel free to check her out there. And uh, yeah, I want to say thank you so much, Caitlin. I loved our conversation from today and I hope everyone listening learned something from your business journey. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on here. Yay. bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the TMB Women in Business podcast. Check out our Instagram where we provide you with the answers to all the questions you have about entrepreneurship. For an email recap of this week's episode, join our email list at tiny.cc slash T-M-B-W-I-B-E-M-A-I-L. If you want to join a community of like-minded entrepreneurs where I give case-by-case advice to you, join our Facebook group. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen. If you're listening to this episode on our YouTube channel, subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you so much for your support. And I'll see you next week with even more business advice.